It takes the right skills and the right innovation to design and manage meaningful print marketing solutions. Welcome to Podcast from the Printerverse, where we explore all facets of print and marketing that create meaningful communications and business success. Now, here's your host, the intergalactic ambassador to the Printerverse, Deborah Korn. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Podcast from the Printiverse. Today, we are talking to Dave Bell, who is the Product Marketing Manager for Media at Rico in the Global Marketing Team. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Paper and substrates are one of my favorite topics. And certainly when it comes to inkjet, it is a differentiator in so many ways. Let's start with who you are, a little bit about your history in the industry and how you ended up at Rico. Great. So I've been, I'll start with Rico. So I've been here for about three and a half years working on the global team. And my job is as a subject matter expert on paper and then specifically on inkjet paper. And here I work with every paper mill in the world. I work with training our sales force on the various papers, but most importantly, I work with our customers. So they have a good understanding of what substrates work and which don't. Prior to Rico, I spent 18 years at Mitsubishi paper mills. And that is important because they invented inkjet paper. They hold most of the world's patents on inkjet on the process of making the paper, the coatings on it. So from the very beginning, I was involved in commercial printers from a proofing standpoint. I was involved with wide format and desktop, and then it eventually uh, rolled into production inkjet printing when uh, these printers took hold about 10 years ago. So I ran around the country, been to 49 of the 50 states and visited the vast majority of the installs that use production inkjet. So which, which state got left out, Hawaii? No, believe it or not, the only state I'm missing is Iowa, which I need to go. What? There. I know it's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe you got to you got to Hawaii and you missed out on Iowa. It's right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and Alaska. Oh, amazing. So let's really go down to a foundational level here because it's very rare that I get to speak to an expert of your caliber. I think people understand for the most part that the quote unquote issue with inkjet and paper is that there's a lot of water in inkjet ink, but something tells me there's a lot more to it because it is such a, it's kind of a reason why some people are buying presents. Can you really dive into that as much as you care to share? Yeah, sure. So when you look at paper to begin with, just in general, people don't realize is that if you start with uncoated paper, so paper is kind of divided in our industry into two categories. There's uncoated paper and coated paper. If we start with uncoated paper, what people don't realize is there's no glue in paper. Paper is basically printing paper is cellulose fibers that are put in a paper machine, mixed with hot water, formed, dried, and it's held together by what we call hydrogen bonding effect, the actual act of evaporating water. So when we reintroduce water, we have the risk, if we introduce too much water, of actually breaking those bonds that hold those fibers together, because they're only held together by the act of evaporating water. So when we reintroduce water, it could break. And you see this if you take a piece of paper and you spill your coffee on it or spill some water on it, it will deform. And it deforms because those bonds have broken. 
So that's the the fundamental challenge with inkjet is that water is the carrier and the carrier is carrying either a dye ink or a pigment ink, but the carrier is water. And if you start to lay down too much water onto the that paper, you can break those bonds. And, and you really see this in your home inkjet printer. If you print off an email that has 5% coverage, it's simply not enough water to break those bonds. But if you were to print your family photograph and just use regular copy paper, which is uncoated paper, you're flooding too much water onto that sheet and that piece of paper will come out and it'll be completely cockled. It'll be wavy, it'll be wet. And because those bonds have, those fibers have swollen and then broken their hold and deformed the paper. So that's the fundamental challenge in uncoated paper is how to reduce the amount of water getting into those fibers. And, And the industry has come up with some very clever techniques to do that. And then the other problem is on the coated side, and that's the biggest challenge. In coated paper, papers are uncoated papers that are then coated with, in the old days we use clay and today they use calcium carbonate, but it plates like tectonics. And so it literally overlaps and makes a very smooth surface, which is fantastic for offset printing. But for inkjet, the water hits the sheet and it doesn't know where to go. So you really need some type of inkjet receiving layer on the surface of a non-porous sheet to allow the water and the colorant to stick someplace. And traditional offset coated papers didn't have that capability. So the mills needed to develop a way to have a coated sheet that was compatible with these uh, different inks. So this might be a crazy question, but why come out with ink that has a lot of water if it's going to mess up the paper process? Yeah, great question. The problem is actually getting the colorant through the inkjet nozzle. So we all use different head technology and we all use different inks. And just even on your home inkjet printer, you go and if you have an Epson printer, you have to buy Epson inks. It's because those inks were matched to that head. And same with HP. You can't use Epson inks in an HP press. It simply won't work. It's not because the cartridge isn't compatible. It's because those inks are not compatible with the firing of that head. And we're firing such tiny, tiny drops. We measure them in picoliters. And, you know, a two picoliter drop, we're talking drops the size, a picoliter is a trillionth of a liter. And to put that in perspective, a drop of water has 50,000 picoliters in it. So you are talking very tiny drops that are falling through space that have to hit the substrate. You cannot get those to transport, those colorants to transport through the device and through a head and fire the head without the amount of water. Now, one plug for Rico I'll give, and reason we work with so many substrates is that we use less water than most of our competition. And so by having less water, we can print to more substrates, which is a big selling point for us. So the water is actually just weight that helps deliver the ink. Yeah. And the colorant is in the water. There's other items in there also that allow it, when it hits the substrate, the colorant has to separate from the water and it has to dry super fast. And so you have other chemicals in there that help with that process. But the carrier is water. And that's how home inkjet printers work in our high-speed production inkjet. But there's other carriers also. There's solvent printers out there that are using a petroleum-based solvent as the carrier. And uh, UV, there's HP has an and Rico has latex printers where it's still water-based, but it's a latex-style ink, more like house paint, if you will. So we have different carriers, but for production inkjet to really look the right way today, water is still the best carrier. I've 
done almost 80 podcasts and I learned something new every single time. Thank you so much. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about matching the right substrate to the mat- right inkjet application. Ready to join the conversation? Follow us at Rico Pro Print on Twitter, Rico USA Production Print on LinkedIn, and Rico USA Production Print on Facebook. There's never been a better time to take a look at Rico. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are talking to Dave Bell, Media Master at Rico. So we have a great foundation now, and we understand that substrate and ink is one part of it, but application and output is the other part of it. So how do people choose the right paper for the right application and the right device? It's a huge part of my job. It, you know, when Inkjet started in production Inkjet, it was almost all transactional. And most people just use the paper that they were using in their continuous toner device and papers such as uh, what we call Moker paper or one of the most popular papers in the U.S. is Domtar Laser Forms Bond. That was paper that was designed for toner-based applications. They didn't want to have to use, as they started adding inkjet devices, they didn't want to have to use a different paper or a specialty paper. And and those papers work. And they work because you're on transactional statements. Again, you're not laying down a lot of coverage. So just like your home printer, printing off an email, standard copy paper, which is Moker Laser Forms Bond paper, works just fine. But as you started adding more ink and more coverage and became more color critical, some of these papers started to fail. So the industry really had to learn how to make inkjet treated and inkjet coated papers to better match the application. And now there's just been a flood of papers. In 2006, when Rico launched the very first inkjet press in the world, the IP5000, there was, it was qualified with only two papers, two papers. People are spending millions of dollars and they had their option of two. Today, there is literally hundreds of papers and every single mill on the planet today makes papers that are compatible with our presses and ink sets. And and that's a huge transformation in 10 years. And we like to think we had a big part working with the mills and developing these new grades of paper. So that's actually a perfect segue because I honestly don't have any idea how that happens. How do you go to a paper mill and say, we have a new press and we need your paper to work with it? What What is the process for that? Yeah, so when I was at Mitsubishi, I ran around all over the country and I worked with all the OEMs, so all the competitors of Rico and Rico, and they would test our product and tell me, Yes, it passed or no, it failed. And to be honest, that was a little frustrating. I would know the paper was would pass. We were the world's leader in inkjet. What would frustrate me is how do I make the paper better? So when I joined Rico, it was a mission of mine to have the best working relationships with every paper mill in the world. And so not only do we tell them it passes or fail, we invite their engineering staff to be on site when we test the paper. They don't have to be. We'll give them a report if they can't make it, but we encourage them to be here. We will take every paper to failure. All paper can only hold so much water. So we'll start slow and add in a little bit of ink, and then we keep adding more and more ink and faster and faster. And we show them the exact tests we do for picking, smearing, drying, blocking, all the different factors that can cause failure. And we show their engineering team exactly what causes the failure so they can improve their papers. And then while I have their attention here, I will tell them, hey, and by the way, that's great that this product works, but 
this is what's really missing in the industry. You know, we started off with uh, what I call standard weights, you know, that in the transactional world is 20 and 24 pound bond paper and in commercial world is 50, 60 pound text weights. But then we started pushing out to heavier papers and pushing the other direction to lighter papers. And I'd work with the mills on how, what the market needs were. And so, you know, mills are interested in one thing, selling volume, and they really cannot develop a paper for one or two accounts. But when we can say there's 700 of these machines out there, and I have a lot of customers asking for this particular product, a new silk paper, a new lightweight paper, a new nine point, then they have a vested interest in going out and developing that paper. And then I can push them to our customers. We don't sell paper. We don't take a rebate. We don't have any financial investment in any of these mills. But it's important for my customers to have the right substrate. So for me, I help the mills. The mills get volume. It's really a, a best case scenario for everyone involved. So it's a really interesting process. And I love that you basically try to break the paper and that's how you know how far it goes. But how does that get translated to your customers? How do they, do you basically say to them, you can put this much ink on this paper and then you can't do any more? How does that work? Yes. So what we do is, uh, and some people use the, the term uh, certified. We don't certify papers because if we certify it, it has a legal connotation that you're guaranteeing it. So what we say is these papers are qualified and we qualify them up to a specific ink limit at a specific speed. So say a press could go 400 feet a minute. We'll say, well, you can use this paper on this press with this ink set up to 400 feet per minute with 160% ink limit or 220%. We set the parameters. So if a customer sees our approved paper list and they start using a paper and they have a problem, if there's any drying or smearing problems, then our technician will look to our list and say, okay, you have set that limit to 300%. You're trying to really get maximum density and it's a heavy coverage item. So you've really increased the ink loads, but that is beyond the capabilities of that particular paper. So they can call me and say, well, we really need these densities. And I'll say, oh, I understand that, but that paper has a limitation. So I would recommend you looked at you know X, Y, and Z, other papers often from the same mill that make a better quality, or sometimes it has to be from a different mill and they understand. So our customers will have sometimes a good, better, and best where 80% of their volume can go out on a, a standard good paper. But you get those jobs that are heavier coverage. You might have to go to a better and sometimes a best grade paper, which costs a little more, but it can hold the ink and achieve the print quality that they're looking for. It sounds like a little bit of a roundabout process, though. Couldn't it be more preemptive by education through to directly to the customers prior to them? having an issue with the paper? Yeah. So what happens is every customer that is going to buy one of our presses will come here to Boulder. And part of the process is they get an hour training, if you will, with me. And so we go through these processes and, and it would be very rare for a customer to have one of our presses that haven't been to Boulder and didn't sit through an hour long lecture. And you're not going to learn everything about paper in one hour. What you're going to learn is the fear of God of knowing what not to try and not to use. And what happens is it's a problem in the industry is that a lot of the paper, how it's how paper is distributed, and this I'm going to back up for a second. People don't realize is that forever and a day, paper mills made paper. 
But believe it or not, they didn't sell it. Same as car manufacturers don't sell you the car that goes through distribution process. So it was called the merchants. So merchants are paper distributors. And what happened was these merchants understand offset and some of them understand digital toner, but inkjet was new to them. So when a customer would say, hey, what paper should I use? They didn't have the right education and they would say, here, just try it. We never want the scenario of here, just try it. So we try to, we train our customers, we work with the mills and often train the mills because they have a lot of reps and usually their technical team understands inkjet, but not all the reps, they haven't been educated with it. No one's born knowing this stuff. And the merchants are the last line and we spend a lot of time with them, but you can't reach all of them and some of them give bad information. So we encourage every one of our customers before you put any paper on press, if you're not sure, just pick up the phone and call me or shoot me an email. I get those questions literally every day of my life and I love answering them. I'll say, hey, that paper works, but this one might work better for you at the same price. And so, you know, it's in the mill's best interest to be developing the best paper because they know we're going to be recommending the best paper for our customer with uh, and it's up to them to be developing those papers and improving their papers or we'll recommend someone else. The RICO Commercial and Industrial Business Printing Group is pleased to be a pioneer in this journey with Print Media Center for podcasts from the Printerverse. RICO drives success in all areas of your operation with a customer-centric approach to business. RICO offers a full range of customized consulting services executed by a team of seasoned print production, workflow, and color management specialists who have decades of proven real-world practical experience. We invite you to learn more at takealookatrico.com. There's never been more to see. That's take a look at Rico.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking to Dave Bell from Rico. So, Dave, we, you just outlined an amazing process where everybody's communicating together to help make sure that the output of inkjet on the paper is the result that people expect. But let's get into a little about some of the challenges that printers are having and how they can possibly overcome them when it comes to paper choices and what's coming out of the press. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things, especially as we move out, you know, not away from, but as we expand from transactional printing and direct mail and book printing, the holy grail of printing, of course, is general commercial printing. And general commercial printing uses a wide variety of substrates, where book printers typically have one or two grades, transactionals typically have one or two grades, uh, direct mail might have paper they use for insert and have a seven and nine point four reply cards, but it's still a pretty limited range of substrates. But when you get into general commercial printing, and you, all of a sudden it opens up this huge array of paper, and it's paper that they're used to using in the past. You know, these commercial printers are second, third, fourth generations, and they'll say, hey, I've used SAPI for the last 50 years, or hey, I've used Verso for the last 30 years, and I'm gonna, I like my mill rep, and that's who the paper I'm going to use. And sometimes these papers are compatible, and sometimes they're not. And here's the other problem. A lot of this paper, commercial printers come from a sheet-fed environment where continuous inkjet comes in web rolls. So a paper that they're used to having as a sheet-fed isn't available in a web roll, whether it worked or not. So then they have to say, oh, I use endurance, which is a sheet-fed offset-coated paper. 
What's the equivalent in a web role? So we get involved with them in making sure we have the closest match to what they're trying to achieve. And quite honestly, a lot of times, if they're not sure, and this happens all the time, I'll get them just to throw a print sample of what they've been doing or what they're trying to match in a FedEx to me. And I'll look at it and say, oh, if that's the result you're trying to achieve, this is the paper I'd recommend. And and we don't want to be in the business of just recommending one mill. We'll typically try to give them three or four options that best match what they're trying to achieve and let them negotiate and work with the mill that they're most comfortable with. So changes in the industry that affect paper, mill closings, price increases, how does RICO keep customers informed and with options that are viable for them to keep this equipment running? There's different philosophy from different OEMs. Some work specifically with one or two mills and kind of put all their eggs in one basket. Well, the risk of that, of course, is if that mill goes out. And unfortunately, as the demand for printing paper has declined worldwide. It's not a U.S. phenomenon, but certainly the U.S., numerous mills have closed over time. And, you know, people don't realize the last paper machine installed in North America was in the 1980s. We have not had a new paper machine installed in the last 30 years, and we never will have another one installed in our lifetime. So you have to pay attention to your mill. We recommend dual sourcing because, unfortunately, you don't know when the next guy is going to go out. So we've had this philosophy at RICO to work with every mill. No one has all their eggs in one basket. So if a mill does go out or what will happen is some of these assets are extremely valuable at a paper mill. You're talking about machines that were a billion dollars and they will convert those. They'll either close them, they will modernize them, or some of them have been converted to packaging, which is a growing segment. So if you get a mill that converts to packaging or closes, you have got to be able to have a relationship with the OEM, reach back to them and said, this paper is no longer available. You know, what's the next closest thing and who should I work with? And so, you know, this is Really, what's happened last year, we had a couple of mill closures with Appleton Coated, a major player in the inkjet arena. We had West Lynn close, uh, which affected out on the West Coast. We've had mill reductions from some of the big paper mills have taken machines offline and reduced capacity. So all of that has kind of reduced the supply, which we needed. We were, we were overproducing in North America. We were producing more paper than the market needed, which caused the price to continue to fall. And printers love that. And they've enjoyed that for years and years and years is a declining price of paper. But with the mill closures and lowered capacity, and then we had a pulp shortage, what you actually make the paper out of, so you have two types of paper mills. Besides being an uncoated and a coated mill, you have integrated and non-integrated mills. And an integrated mill means you literally take in logs of trees and grind them up and produce your own pulp. But a lot of mills are not integrated and they buy pulp on the open market. Well, the pulp prices have skyrocketed this last year due to there was a fire at a major pulp supplier. There's a switch and switching the pulp over to packaging. So now all of a sudden for printing paper, the supply has 
dried up, if you will. So the prices have gone up and that's put a lot of pressure on mills that finally had no choice but to raise the price. Now, this was a shock to printers. They've never experienced price increases. And now we've already on our second price increase in the last 12 months. And this is coming from every paper mill. So I'll get calls saying, hey, I'm looking for an alternative to XYZ because they just raised my price. And I defend that mill by saying, yes, but everyone's raising the price. And it's due to a supply issue of both the pulp and the capacity of these machines making the paper. Uh, It will stabilize, but this has been unprecedented that people in the industry have not seen basically in their lifetime. So Dave, you are so knowledgeable. They're keeping you in a a locked cage there. I I don't see you at events. How are you getting out there and teaching people everything that you know? Yeah. So I actually, a couple ways. So I do get out of my cage here at Rico. I spend a lot of time here because we have mills here every week. Almost every day we have paper mills and it's just not U.S. mills. It's mills from around the world. On Monday of this week, a a large mill from Germany was here and we were testing their paper. So I kind of need here to be here for them when they're here. But I do attend industry events. I was just at the Inkjet Summit. I presented several of our case studies at the Inkjet Summit. I go around to mills. I often speak at their sales meetings. I work with the merchants if they'll allow me, if they are interested in learning Inkjet. I spoke at everyone from Mac Papers to Roll Source sales meetings. And most importantly, I spend time in front of our customers. So I get in front of our customers all the time. If they ask me to be there tomorrow, I'm on a plane tonight. It's simple as that. Our customers are our top priority. And I spend a lot of time with our customers on paper. You're awesome. It was really a privilege to speak with you. Uh, Just another reason why people should take a look at Rico. People like Dave Bell are behind the curtain. Thank you so much for your time, Dave. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And this was fun. You've been listening to podcasts from the Printerverse. We'd love to hear your feedback on our shows and topics that are of interest for future broadcasts. Please connect with us through printmediacenter.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcasts for alerts on new shows. Until next time, thank you for joining us and listening to podcasts from the Printerverse. Print long and prosper. Print long and prosper.